Oh. I'm sorry, I forgot to hit record. So you're going to have to repeat everything you just said. <laughs> Jesus then, Christ, Robin. What the hell's going on over there? <laughs> what are you doing? Are you going to pay for this, Justin? Because it's expensive. I'm paying it's like, for it right now. <laughs> you are. Me, okay. I'm paying for it. I'm not normal. That's facts. All right. You know what? If you can push a stroller, you can push a mower. Welcome to another episode of Punk Rock Cops. I'm your resident hardcore girl, rude girl, whatever, uh, Robin. And then I have our little uh, canine boy, Justin. How are you? I'm well, thank you. Can- little canine boy, that's true. <laughs> I'm not very tall. Well, I didn't, I didn't mean little as in size-wise. I don't know. Yeah, you're. Right. I guess you are little i'm pretty small yeah my dog's almost bigger than me you're fun sized so uh, we've been talking about having you know uh, a variety of other punk rock cops on our show so today we brought in another canine boy Um, yeah so you guys can compare the size of your dogs and you know whatever canine boys do on their uh on their bro time so kyle Welcome. How are you? Great. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks for being here. Um, So first off, I want to say happy Father's Day to Justin. Thank you. Even though he's, you're not, you're not, you're alone, right? The wife. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm married with a kid, but uh, (laughs) in my soul, yes, I'm alone. No, they, uh, Uh, they, they left for the day. uh, So I am alone. And uh, happy belated birthday to you, Robin. Oh, thank you very much. Um, just turned another year older. 29 again? For, uh, for, yeah, probably like, I don't even know. I can't do math. Even even though I'm half Asian, I'm not good at math. But yeah, for like at least the 10th time, 11th time. Yes. Anyways, <laughs> 29 for the 11th time. Uh, so anyways... Kyle, why don't you give us a little bit about your background, how you got into punk rock, what your what kind of scene you grew up in, and things of that nature. Yeah, um, so I got pretty lucky just based on where I was born. Uh, come from uh, a place that uh, Lars and the Rancid Boys made made pretty famous, Campbell, California. Uh, nice. So, I got I got lucky in being able to to kind of grow up around a scene that came across as kind of I guess normal um, mm-hmm. for my age range. Like you were either into punk or you were into more of the the hip hop rap and kind of over, a lot of overlap. So got into punk. My dad was into some of some of the hair metal and then you know Metallica and all of that and. Uh, that was kind of what I was raised on. And then by the time I was in middle school, I had 
a friend who wanted to take me to an all ages venue and got it going from there. But I would say probably my first major concert in high school was where I kind of got into like more of the harder hardcore, you know, more, more punk punk, uh, less of the pop punk that was out and about. So I uh, got taken to an Oz fest and was one of the most memorable experiences uh, in my life. I've been to Ozfest too. What year did you go? Uh, that one would have been 2000, 2001, I believe. Uh, it was, it was when Pantera was, uh, going on right before, uh, I believe he was touring. Yeah. I believe he was touring as Ozzy at the time, not Black Sabbath. So. Right. Yeah. I went to the, yeah, I went to the first one. I think it was 97. I was like 16 and, uh, yeah, same thing like Pantera, uh, played right before Ozzy did. And (laughs) I just remember, uh, Phil, the singer of Pantera being so drunk and just singing like over and over. I love you guys. I love you so much. So cool. Denver's awesome. But anyways, all right. So Ozfest. So, uh, so what really like, I think we all had that kind of like aha moment of like this shit <laughs> is the best ever. Like, you know, you're in that music, you're in the scene, you're going to shows. Um, so like what show can you remember that just like changed your life and you're like, this is this is it for me? Um I don't even remember what bands were playing. They were they were a bunch of like local bands, uh and like the headlining band was like some local gutter punk band. I think it was the only show I ever saw them actually play, but it was on Thanksgiving. And uh that's kind of where I got really into like the punk scene, just different, different home life, had split parents. So kind of isolated myself and my, uh my buddy Gino was the one who called me up and said, Hey, there's a show going on at the Gaslighter. I know it's Thanksgiving, but do you want to go? And I, yep. And uh, he had his mom come pick me up and we went to the show and it was just, that was kind of it for me. It was that small, small little local community feel. Uh, mm-hmm. And that kind of, that's kind of where, you know, you started to develop, like, that's your family. And how old were you around that time? I would say at that point I was 13. Nice. Oh, I think it's probably, awesome. mm-hmm. that's probably about the age I started, maybe a little bit older when I started going to local shows and stuff too, because we had a pretty decent uh, local hardcore scene, but I don't think it was maybe till my freshman year in high school that I really started doing all that stuff. So you guys mm-hmm. started early. Yeah, definitely. Uh, we had a, like, again, we had a really good local scene. Uh, just not a whole lot of all ages venues. Yeah. Until mm-hmm. right around the time I was 12, 13 years old. Do you guys, did you have a lot of uh, do it yourself? stuff because of that 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 definitely came later like in high school uh i i had a lot of friends from the scene that turned into promoters and they would just start organizing their own shows uh and we had sprouted out to quite a few quite a few different venues and then as i got a little older further on in high school um we had some 
local guys that were a little bit older that were signed to some of the larger labels uh, that were super supportive. Uh, I don't think the scene would have been where it was at had it not been for them. Uh, and they were very big on helping even younger promoters uh, promote local shows as well as helping them get larger bands onto local shows that they weren't necessarily promoting just to get them that, that taste of working with bigger labels and things like that. That's, that's cool. Awesome. Going to shows. So like, that's, you're saying Campbell, California. So that's like the whole, like with Rancid, the whole East Bay punk, right? Yeah. So Campbell is like Bay area, South, South of the East Bay. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then you had like the East Bay, San Francisco. Um, They all kind of had like their own little communities, but not like everything kind of blended together. Uh, and then as it progressed and got a little busier in like the, the two thousands, you had, you know, the Sacramento scene and then just small little pockets here and there. Uh, but the right around that time before San Jose scenes kind of really started kicking off was East Bay probably would have been your, your largest scene in the area. Mm-hmm. Did you ever get a chance to like go to 924 Gilman or anything like that? Yes. Oh, definitely. so lucky. That's awesome. Yeah, definitely done Gilman, Slims, The Pound, uh, when that was in San Francisco over by Hunter's Point. I've, I've hit them all. So it, that's, that was the benefit for sure about in this area is you had access to a lot of venues and a lot of very historic venues within the scene, you know, looking back on it. Yeah. And just being in that area. So you had like probably, uh, some of like the Seattle scene kind of trickle down. A yeah, little definitely. Bit. And then, yeah. you know, you have like the whole California scene from like, I mean, I don't know if you ever like, did you ever go down to like San Diego for any, any show? I know that's kind of far, but. I didn't because we got the benefit of having all, all the bands that I would want to go down to that <laughs> scene touring up and cutting up through yeah. our way on their way to Seattle. So it was. We got we got a lot of benefit from that. Um, I did actually live up in Seattle for a year, so I got to mm. kind of experience the Seattle scene firsthand. Uh, but I was a little bit older at the time, so I got a got a benefit of not, not having to worry so much about the all ages venues anymore. Yeah, that's always nice. So, um, from what I remember, you went in the military, right? Yes. After like high school, okay. So. Being a punk rock kid, I mean, I think that we've talked to several, you know, other cops who, like, we had Tyler, who was in the Army. We had um, Jay, who's a Marine, former Marine. And, uh, you know, we have, like, BC, who I think he was Army. And anyways, we have a whole group of punk rock cops that did some military time. So being a punk rock kid, like, what made you want to go in the the military? Actually, it was... uh... One of my buddies that was in one of our, our local bands, uh, we met up and he had just joined the army the day prior. And so this is during the Iraq, Afghanistan hike. Oh, little doggo. Sorry. I have, yeah. uh, my, my <laughs> 15 year old Mal and she's, she's being super needy right now. Uh, yeah. He, we met up and he just kind of dropped it on everybody that he had joined the army. And kind of his reasoning why. And I went to bed that night and kind of was like, well, he can do it. Like, 
I can do it. Like, you know, we're, we're both similar in kind of our belief system and everything like that. And yeah, so I decided to go check out joining the next day and managed to sign a contract and do that for eight, eight years straight. Uh, so you went in the Marine Corps, right? Yeah. Uh, so what was your, like, what, what was your job? My primary job was infantry. Uh, I had mm-hmm. a secondary job handling a bomb dog, uh, for a little bit, but my primary mm-hmm. job was, was infantry. So you got into the whole canine thing, like starting in the military. I, I got more into the training aspect for sure. Starting in the military. Uh, I grew up, my dad was an avid hunter. Uh, and so we had our dogs for, you know, family and hunting purposes. And so I, I'd really gotten interested into the, the canine behavior and training aspect. And, uh, I didn't join the military like straight out of high school. I'd kind of mm-hmm. done the, the community college slash random jobs trying to figure out kind of what direction I wanted to head and uh mm-hmm. so I was working at a veterinary clinic for a little bit mm-hmm. and just decided that like I was more into the canine behavior started doing a little bit of training and then yeah just got a little bit further in depth in it thanks to the Marine Corps awesome Justin how did you uh what was your like defining moment where you wanted to be a handler Where'd that come from? I don't know if we even touched on that in earlier episodes, but. I don't think so. Um, I don't know. I, I just, when I first got into law enforcement um, and then just started being around the dogs, because, you know, we never had dogs growing up. We had a cat mm-hmm. one time and it got ran over by a car about a week into it. And that was that. Uh, but uh, I've always, you know, had an interest in it, but I didn't really know what it was about. And even when I was around the dogs at work and stuff, I didn't know anything about it. I just, you know, you see the finished product. And then once I came to the department I'm at now and got a chance to be proactive and do the things that I wanted to do, um, I actually put in for, let's see, I put in for a dog, I don't know, five to six, maybe even seven years before I got one. Um, and I ended up being in the top, you know, five in the running or whatever, but I just didn't have the seniority for it really. Um, but I got to work with, uh, the, the handler, um, quite a bit and, you know, just that just became my goal to be the next handler just because I was getting into, uh, uh, I was working interdiction. So I was getting, Mm. um, a lot of dope and stuff like that. And, you know, it's easier with a dog for sure. And then, you know, this, we, uh, changed administrations cause I work for a sheriff's office. So, um, you know, you're kind of bound by the p- political beliefs of, of the sheriff and, uh, our, our old sheriff, great guy. He hired me, um, you know, uh, was a great boss. He just, uh, you know, he spent 50 years in law enforcement and he was old school and, uh, I think a part of his beliefs were that, you know, just because we get so many benefits as a handler, they were, I only have to work seven hours a shift uh, and I get an hour for maintenance for the dog. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I'm only on the street 28 hours a week because one of our days during the week is a training day. So Mm -hmm. they look at it as it as uh, I'm only here 28 hours a week. That's a waste of resources, blah, blah, blah. 
but <laughs> when yeah but very old school guy like you know yeah you better have your hat on your uniforms better be pressed and polished but if you need to put someone across the hood of a cruiser you do it um but then we came into our new administration um and our one of our person people in the higher ups now uh is a former handler um so he expanded the unit and uh when our old dog retired i got the new one um and kyle you can probably weigh in on this i everything i've ever done in law enforcement has come naturally and easy to me and then i got this dog and i was like holy shit this is the most intense i'm over my head drowning training i've ever been a part of um and i still struggle with it tom i i have an amazing dog i'm a shitty handler <laughs> it's just yeah. it is, it's another world it is another world and people who don't have a dog will never understand because they see the finished product on the street they don't understand true. what we go through all day every day yeah totally it's um so for my agency i actually don't even handle a dog right now i'm our in-house trainer uh and i got slapped into that position because of my experience and i was after getting out of the military before becoming law enforcement i was a professional canine trainer and training for law enforcement wow. agency. Oh, that's and, sweet yeah that's awesome. so uh the the hard work that goes into it like that finished product like i totally get what you're saying uh especially coming from like developing these dogs from like the moment they're puppies all the way until mm-hmm. we're selling yeah. them to an agency and then handing them off to a brand new handler yeah. uh, or even an experienced handler just that hasn't handled that type of a dog before, uh, depending on like what kind of dog, you know, we try and match them up with. And mm-hmm. so it, it's a lot of work. And, and again, yeah, I don't think on a patrol level, everyone always sees how much work truly goes in from the training and handler aspect. Yeah. Uh, and so you always get that pushback of like, well, why aren't they, you know, helping us shag calls? And it's like, there, there's a lot that goes into right. it, you know? Right. And, you know, I was, mm-hmm. uh, I was definitely in over my head at the beginning. I, I would come home every single day from my basic training and just be, I, I was mentally exhausted. I had to put the dog up, take a shower, lay down for a half an hour and just decompress. Um, but I mean, the thing is about, you know, regular patrol guys or whatever, um, or anybody at the department, when your shift ends, when you, when you answer that last call and you pull into the office, you unload your cruiser and you drive home and you're in your home, I bring him home with me. You know, it never stops. You know, when he sprays mud all over the inside of his crate at home at three o'clock in the morning, I'm the one that's got to mm-hmm. clean that up. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, I just got back from, I just got back from vacation. So he's been in the kennel for a week and he is off the fucking hook. So, you know, I had to take him out you know, give him a decompression bite, um, you know, throw out some articles, you know, do a couple different things just to get him back. Like just, just to decompress him. Um, Mm -hmm. so it's, it's never ending, but it's, it's the best job in the world. I think that it's, I mean, you, you guys are right. Like we, you know, someone who has never obviously handled a canine, I've worked with many different canines over the years, like in the jail, on patrol, um, in, in investigations and, and things like that. And 
So when I started my career, I started my career at a sheriff's office and we had fucking amazing canines. So that's all I knew. Like the handlers were on point. Um, the dogs like were excellent, like with, you know, finding dope and then, you know, all their bites were, were awesome too. Like it, it, so I was spoiled. So that's all I knew. And then when I went to other agencies and I worked with, well, and you can never tell because sometimes like, like you're saying, Kyle, like, you know, you try your best to match a, a, a handler with a dog, you know, and it's differing personalities and making them, you know, go together. Obviously there's a language barrier with dogs. I mean, they're an animal and stuff like that. And so I think as, cops who don't deal with canines or have no experience with handling we of course judge and we either you know we blame it on the handler most of the time and then we're like oh they're shitty handler this dog sucks or whatever and well, a, lot know, of time, a lot of times the dog doesn't suck it is the handler but mm. yeah well and, and yeah <laughs> go ahead but, and, I, but i understand yeah totally and like you know Sometimes you do come across dogs that just aren't a aren't a fit, and I've had that happen before. And then that's that's the hard part being in that training position. Like you have a dog that, you know, I, I've experienced it more than once where a dog was doing great, and then had some random issue come up, uh, and the dog becomes a an immediate liability for street mm-hmm. work. And you're having yeah. to explain to this handler that has put in months of work like they're a brand new handler months of work and they're they're a good handler and now you're having to explain to them it's not their fault that we have to wash the dog out and that also they have to go all the way back to the beginning and start over with a new dog and so now Mm. you're trying to compensate with the handler like not to wash them out because you know that can become super disheartening so Mm -hmm. it's a lot lot that goes into managing it so are you getting um totally green dogs and bringing them up from a puppy or are you getting them from Europe? So right now uh, we bring our vendor in and he's, uh, he was actually who took over uh, some of my law enforcement contracts when I went law enforcement instead of doing the private contract work. Uh, And so we both have sources from, from Europe and all over the world that we bring dogs in. So they're not super green, uh, but because him and I know each other, uh, we kind of pull a little bit greener dogs than I've, I've seen other agencies pull in, uh, just because we can in tandem work dogs a little faster with new handlers and, and get them to a level that they're not so green. Um, but yeah, I generally, uh, don't know a whole lot of agencies, at least over here in California that are starting, starting from like a puppy level with their handlers and working them through. Okay. Yeah, I just I listen to uh police kind of police canine radio all the time and I know they're up, right up there in your area and they were talking about um having some some puppies and bringing them up from a puppy and then getting rid of them or getting rid of them selling them to agencies once they're ready to go. Yeah, totally and and on the private side that's that's what I used to do and you know, it it makes it easier and harder uh because prior to even starting to work with the handlers, you know, you're you're generally looking at at least a year of raising multiple dogs and developing them before they I mean, even 
get open to a law enforcement contract. How many uh, dogs do you get at a time? At the time, it just depended on on litter sizes from from what we were looking at because uh, we were also doing sport dogs as well. Okay. Um, and then for my agency, we only have four handlers. Uh, three of the dogs are patrol level, and then one is a straight narcotics uh, mm-hmm. lab. So it we don't have as high of a recycling rate, uh, yeah. and and so we don't keep as many dogs on hand gotcha okay yeah it's uh so i'm back to being the only handler at our office we had two and then the other guy decided that uh he's had enough with administration and he said that they're not gonna have their talons in me anymore and he said you know what you can have the dog back and i'll just go back to regular patrol and i don't have to deal with all this stuff which you know, I commend the guy for leaving on his own terms. It wasn't his fault. It wasn't the dog's fault. He just said, I've had enough. Here you go. What was their, uh, pro- what was his problem with, I mean, what were they doing? It's a whole plethora of administrative issues that we're facing as an agency right now. Um, they mainly like, uh, he's got 16 or 17 years on. Um, Mm. he's, he's got a little bit more seniority than me and, you know, they gave him Wednesdays and Thursdays off and, and, um, you know, I have better days off than him, but I came, I I got the dog first and then the next year Mm. he got another, he got the dog and they just said, well, that's, you're a specialized unit. We can dictate when you work, when you can't work, blah, blah, blah. And, um, he, so every year starting, I think it's November we can put in for our annual vacation time for the next year. And he said this, he said this a couple of weeks ago. He said, every day that I put on or put, put in to have off for this year has been denied every single day. He goes, but you got sergeants, no problem. Take a day off. You got lieutenants, no problem. Take a day off. Um, so he just, it, it was a culmination of thing. It, it wasn't just one thing. And, um, so did they did they take the dog back? Yeah, so it went back to our vendor um and our training. Oh, that's sad. So our we don't do in-house training. We have a vendor who owns a uh police and military canine company, police dog military canine company. Um so luckily he took the dog back and we're getting ready to have another put another handler on. We were going to have 3. So I don't know if they're going to recycle her. Um, cause she was a good dog, but you know, he's, she's bonded with that family for a whole year. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't know what's going to happen. I I've been on vacation. I, I literally got a text message saying, Hey, you're the only handler again. And I was like, wonderful demos. Here I come. <laughs> well, I'm not, I mean, I, I'm not sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> oh, I was just going to say like, whenever I've seen someone step down from being a handler, they've always been able to keep the dog since they bonded with the dog. I don't know the particulars. I know if, if the dog retires or whatever, you know, we retire, they give us the option of buying the dog. Mm. Um, that's, and that's in our state codified codes. But since he left the unit, I think it's more of a, we could, let you have the dog, but we're not going to. Yeah. I mean, cause they have quite a bit of money wrapped up into it, but 
Right, right. You know, whatever. It's not their money. It's true. Don't know. You know. I feel bad for the guy, but like I said, good for him for leaving on his own terms. Yeah, I would for take sure. Her, I would take her in a heartbeat, but my dog would probably try to hump her. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have enough issues with your, your dog out there with, what was that video you posted? <laughs> He's like dragging the chair or something like in the backyard. Oh no, that was, uh, that was my what grill. Was... Oh, your <laughs> so I have, uh, uh... it's like, uh, it's two chuck it balls with a attached by a string. Right. So it's got a, a ball on either end and I was out on the deck grilling and stuff. Uh, fortunately I have two grills and it wasn't the one that was lit, but I had him out there. He had his ball. So, you know, keeps him entertained and um i just had his ball and i dropped it well when i dropped it it went underneath the grill and one ball went on one side of the uh frame and one went on the other side of the leg and the in the uh you know the string was in between so he goes after it knocks the grill over right well as i'm bending down he grabs it and he just drags it off the deck of course but he he didn't do anything wrong. I mean, it's like I, I wanted to kill him, but he wasn't doing anything wrong. He was literally trying to pick up his ball. Uh, Kyle can probably say handler error. But uh, <laughs> you I know, wouldn't uh, say handler error. I think that's life of the canine. I mean, yeah, I had, yeah, yeah. I had my uh, my Dutch Shepherd that passed away like two years ago. The uh, the grill cover, the flap didn't close all the way, so it was blowing in the wind, and it became a that's hey, this looks like looks yeah. like fun, and then next thing I know, there's a grill <laughs> off the side of the deck, and I have to go out and buy a new grill. Yeah, I, I was I was not happy, and and what can you do? You, you can't correct the dog. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> I wanted to kill. Speaking him, of, <laughs> that's funny. Speaking of correcting the dog, I remember I was in my rookie days in the jail when I was working in the jail, and so one of the handlers came in to do, you know a sniff around the jail and well, a couple of them. And (laughs) I can't think of the name of the canine, but for some reason out of nowhere, and this was a good dog. And this is the only time I ever saw it, but the dog, like just out of nowhere, (laughs) start biting the shit out of his hand. Mm. And so the deputy's like the, I just never seen anything like it. So he like puts the dog in a headlock is like punching the dog in the face and the dog let go. And I was like, that was just shocking to me. I mean, I get it. Like you have to, you know, tell that dog it's a, it's a tool and everything. You have to tell the dog, no, that's not okay. But (laughs) as like a new cop and being around canines for the first time and stuff like that, it was, uh, that was interesting to see. (laughs) Have you guys ever had to do anything like that with your dogs or? Fortunately, my dog is, I have a pretty social dog, um, I always tell people at work because the people who don't know anything about dogs, they're afraid of the dog, you know, and yet you Mm -hmm. have to, as our job as handlers is to educate them on how to work around them. I was like, dude, you could go out and open my door and he would just lick you. He is not aggressive. (laughs) We don't paint that picture um, with our dogs to be, you know, the first thing that they see, they, they nuke. These are not, um, you know, SEAL team six dogs. That's just not what the way they are. They have to be good around kids. Um, they have to be good around other people, um, other dogs. So, yeah, we don't paint that picture. Unfortunately, I have never been 
bitten out of aggression. Of course I've been bitten. I mean, he snap, he gets my hands and fingers all the time, but it's, it's always just going for his toy or whatever. But you know, that is an issue that a lot of handlers um, I've heard of running into is their dog coming back up the leash. Um, a lot of times that's frustration with the dog. Um, they're frustrated um, or it's a dominance thing. And Kyle, you can speak more to that than me. I don't know shit about this stuff, but some of that like comes from like old school training, like training's really developed, but like Justin was talking about, like you get a little frustration dominance. Uh, it's, it's rare, but you do, you do come across the dogs that are definitely doing it more out of a challenge and, and less out of the frustration. A lot of times it's just frustration. And mm. for me, for me as a, the training background and everything, a, a lot of times I see it coming before it happens. And I, I sometimes like to live by the old adage of pain retains and let the handler yeah. learn a little lesson yeah. on their own about reading their dogs. But, um, you know, it's, it's, it's really rare that it comes out in a fully dominant fashion. Uh, usually mm-hmm. if it is coming out in a dominant fashion, that lets me know that there's stuff going on between the handler and the dog. Uh, Absolutely. Look yeah. a little bit more in depth into. Yeah. The, 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 the old school days of, you know, you tell a dog to do something and it doesn't do it and then cranking its neck or, you know, whacking it with a two by four, those, those days are done. I mean, not to say that, uh, it, it, people still don't do that. Uh, but like Kyle said, training has really developed and we've really learned that, Hey, the more you correct a dog and he knows the correction is coming from the handler, you know, you can really fuck up a dog that way. Cause he can mm-hmm. shut down, he can shut down on you. Um, more of the positive punishment stuff now where the dogs think the corrections coming from the environment, just a, a quick example, setting a, you know, piece of ham on your counter, walking in the other room. And when the dog walks up to it, you zap him on his E, you know, low stem. Mm-hmm. He thinks that's coming from the environment, right? He doesn't mm-hmm. associate that correction with the handler. So that's what we call positive punishment. Um, but yeah, I, I've never seen it uh, personally in our training group. I've never seen a dog come come back up the leash, but uh, I'm sure it happens around here. Yeah, we uh, any any issue I've I've seen has generally been a, a miscommunication between a new handler and the dog, uh, and unintentionally the handler's communicating a correction, uh, and the dog's vocalizing its frustration in the only way it knows how, and it's you know coming back yeah. at the the handler but it's never anything serious i think i've only come across realistically in my lifetime one one dog that was like i wouldn't i wouldn't pull him out of the kennel by myself uh no one actually would uh, and this is when i was doing private stuff and we wouldn't even sell him to the law enforcement agency that wanted to buy him because he was for sure a liability on the law enforcement side. Uh, he was, he was a dog that needed to go a, a military or private contractor only route. Yeah. Mm. So what are your thoughts? So, um, at my, I work for a state agency now and we just started a canine program. I think we have like four or three or four dogs 
and some of them are like different breeds. Um, and so I, when I, my first agency I worked for, um, they were mostly like the, the Belgian Malinois. Is that right? Something like that. Um, so yeah, so they were pretty big dogs. Um, and so then I've noticed like, uh, you know, progressing over my career and stuff, like we have some, you know, different breeds. And so the dogs that we have at my agency right now, there's like, I don't know what some sort of a Labrador. Um, and then we have like a smaller, I'm so bad with breeds. I don't know if it's like like a Springer Spaniel or a German short hair pointer (laughs) or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's like, uh, I don't know. It looks like kind of like a shepherd, but I don't know. It's like tiny. It's like oh, it miniature. Could just, be a, could just be a small mouth. Yeah. Okay. Maybe that's it. I'm so bad. What they tell me what the thing is, but the breed, and mm-hmm. I'm just not paying attention. I'm just looking at the dog. But oh, um, for those of you uh, on the podcast, we can all see each other on Kyle's got his, uh, his dog beside him. I'm, I just like, uh, yeah, let me see here. Is that a girl? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, little little female, only like fifty five pounds right now, and yeah, she's yeah, she's living the retired life up on the couch and at a girl <laughs> knows that I'm I'm talking to other people, so she's jealous and wants her <laughs> attention. Of Mine's course. laying literally right under my chair. I can't move my chair; or I'll run his head over. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, so circling back to the punk rocks stuff i mean because i'm sure we could talk canine boy stuff for days but so you had an awesome you grew up you came up in an awesome scene kyle when you went into the military did you continue to be a part of the scene or did you kind of like you know step away from it i did the the best that i could uh definitely when i was home and around i would make sure to hit up as many shows as I could, uh, especially for local stuff. Coming from the military, like you get a lot of uh, a lot of guys that are into like whatever kind of the popular metal is at the time. But you find that little pocket of like even like the punk rock military and punk rock like hardcore guys, to where you just happen to be loading some gear up and cruising by, and someone listening to something, and you're like, "Hey, is that?" And you know, conversation starts from there, and then you get that that one guy that like you can really kind of talk music with because it's mm-hmm. not, you know, whatever. Death punch. Yeah. It's not what's popular <laughs> at the time. And, exactly. You know, it's like all of all, like, I'm super big into music uh, just in a general sense of it. So mm-hmm. I, I fully support it. If people are like into whatever they're in into uh, as far as music, uh, I personally, you know, still listen to some, some hip hop and stuff like that from mm-hmm. what, what I had exposure to growing up, definitely, definitely supportive of like smaller independent artists, uh, for sure. Um, and the understanding that, you know, they, even your major label artist started as a smaller independent artist a lot of times, uh, back in the day, but it, it's a different community feel. Uh, and I noticed that the guys through the military that I connected to just based on our musical tastes, from you know the punk and hardcore stuff like you you bond with them really quick uh because i i feel like no matter 
where you're at in the country, that scene is always very tight knit. Uh, and you kind of yeah. get that family atmosphere from it right off the bat. Absolutely. For sure. Um, so what is one of the best, so you've told me a little bit about some really awesome shows you've, you've been to, but, um, what is one of the best shows that stands out in your mind that you've ever been to since you came from such an awesome scene? I'm sure there's like a million, but oh gosh, yeah, uh, I, I'd say the one that, that has been thrown up. It's a photo, uh, from, from the, the show we had at the cave. You guys posted it up of me doing a, a nice little head walk uh, <laughs> during tear set. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. So that was uh, another guy who was part of our scene, uh, Ray. He was moving moving out of state. I want to say it was either Colorado or Idaho. And uh coordinated a bunch of bunch of bands to do his his going away, leaving the scene sh- uh final show. And he got Taryn as the headliner. Uh I believe before that was First Blood and Whoa. then couple of other local bands and it was just something that I want to say that was like two weeks before sounds of the underground tour was Mm. supposed to hit our area and Mm -hmm. you know tear was on on that tour as well so they they came in to play this show and then went back to their next tour spot and then I saw them again at sounds of the underground so it was kind of one of those like being able to see that in such a small local venue um, and knowing the reality of that, you know, these guys are touring all over the country right now, playing much larger venues, um, mm-hmm. but having them there and, you know, they were, they were out hanging out with everybody and it's just really kind of puts it home again, that, that small community feel that the scene gets. So. For Absolutely. sure. I, just I always that- loved. Oh, go ahead. No, I just saw that. Uh, speaking of terror, they are touring with Hatebreed coming up. Uh, looks like starting in September. Wow, um, that's hit, where you're not hitting, not hitting California. Uh, Which is see. weird. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course they're, of course they're going to Buffalo. Oh, there's a well, Cincinnati of course. show. Looks like they're not going anywhere out west. It's, it's mostly probably, just, well, yeah, mid, midwestern they're... east. They're old men, so they can only do like a couple weeks at a time on tour. <laughs> you That's know, it's so funny. I was, I know. I was listening to a podcast with uh, Scott Vogel, and his voice, his like regular talking voice, just doesn't match like his, you know, terror voice. His terror <laughs> singing. It's like more. I don't know how to describe it. It's not as tough guy. No, it's super buffaloy. It is. It's got that super like Buffalo accent. Exactly. Uh, that upstate New York accent. Yeah. But I remember seeing terror for the first time. And uh, that was at, I think it was at Furnace Fest, the second Furnace Fest. I can't remember. But um, I remember getting their demo and it was, you know, like one of those CDs that just had the sleeve and like the black and white like cover and i loved there's i think it was four songs on that and i listened to it over and over and over and what's funny is 
Uh-oh, that... here comes a piece of vinyl. <laughs> well, it's not vinyl. Oh, okay. I was able to get it again. Oh, wow. Um, nice. So I, it, it just Look like... Up. Does it say what year it came out on the back? Uh, I think it was... I don't know if it says it in here. What year was Buried Alive stopped in what? 2001, maybe? I think so. I yes. love Buried Alive. I, I, I miss lo- Buried Alive. Oh, so do I. They, they actually put out another uh, EP, maybe four songs. Um, mm. Three years ago, maybe. They're not bad. I like Scott's vocals on Death of Your Perfect World a mm-hmm. lot better than any of the terror records. That's just, I mean, it's personal preference, but I, I don't know why the, there was like a, to me, there's a distinct difference in, in his vocal sound. Yeah. I, you know, and I love this version, the the demo version of um, life and death. Um, than the one that's on the album, I have the record somewhere in here, but, um, but yeah, like, Oh. I just remember seeing them, and, and it was, since they were like a brand new band, it, it, I couldn't believe like everyone just lost their minds like on their set. It, it just like no one really knew unless you know you're from California or whatever. And when they went on, it just seemed like they'd been around for like years. That's how it was. I don't know. Maybe it's because the whole buried alive, um, you know, legacy or whatever with with Scott, but word do you uh go ahead kyle i saw that you uh have some tattoos are you uh are you pretty privy with the san francisco tattoo scene have you been to like some old school shops up there uh a few of them just uh talking about small world where all of all of these tattoos on my arms came except for one have been uh done here in in the bay area and uh, now my primary artist, he actually works uh, with one of the members of First Blood, who uh, is a pretty prominent tattoo artist. So oh, cool. we, we see awesome. each other all the time, talk some trash from, uh, <laughs> from back cool. in the day. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it just ends up being small world. Uh, so I get I get the benefit of having them be pretty, pretty local to me, not. San Francisco for me is at least an hour, hour North. Um, but I've been up there to some of the shops, uh, did some shops up in Seattle when I was up there. Very cool. So, yeah, I always wanted to, I've never been to San Francisco. I've always wanted to go. Um, me and, too. especially after I got into, uh, art and tattooing more, you know, of course it's San Francisco is iconic. It's where tattooing really started for yeah. as yeah. far as well, I'm concerned. Yeah, and it looks like you have a lot of the like traditional style. Yeah. Which is, you know, like uh Sailor Jerry, like and all that stuff. So that's really cool. Yeah, the show. My oh, uh, show. My tattoo artist. It's uh his dad was former law enforcement locally, so super pro LE. Awesome. Solid nice. dude. How do they, how do the agencies in that area feel about exposed tattoos? Uh, so my, in the county that I work in, uh, my agency is, since I've been working there and for quite a long time, uh, has been pro tattoo. 
so I'm allowed to wear short sleeves, have exposed tattoos. Um, cool. Our sheriff's agency, I think we're within the last two to three years, just started allowing exposed tattoos. Uh, they yeah. weren't allowed prior. I'm still um, not allowed. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, yeah, it, it's it, crazy. It's, it's super crazy. But then the our agency is also like anti-beard. Uh, I just shaved mine recently, but I'm on yeah. our, our gang and narcotics team. So I normally have a beard if I want it. Uh, but my agency is beards are not authorized, but the other two yeah. agents or three agencies locally um, that have kind of been changing their tattoo policy uh, towards ours, they allow beards. So it's just yeah. a matter of time, I think, for hiring and retention that both kind of get allowed out here. Yeah. I mean, we, for me, living in the Midwest, um, we kind of take, it takes a lot of time for it to develop on the coast and move inward. Um, we're very much anti-facial hair. Can't have any, we, we can have tattoos, but we can't have any exposed, um, which I've, I've heard that the, the, the policy is going to change, but I'll believe it when I see it. Um, so you can't just, even have a mustache, no stash. Yeah, yeah, we can, but um, <laughs> you should do uh, it, firefighter. I, I look <laughs> like a child rapist with a mustache. Well, you know it's so funny. So um, I went out for my birthday last night um, to a country bar here, and you know I live in an area like we have six military installations in my city. It's probably going to be easy to guess if you actually looked up Colorado and where all the military bases are. Anyways, so you're seeing all these like soldiers, like baby soldiers, and they have stashes like that's the trend. And they're wearing skinny jeans at the at the club, at the country club with their mustaches. I was I was I don't know why it bothered me so much. I just didn't. Because it's, I, I had to comment on it. It's very cringy. It's super cringe. So we have like, a, so our sheriff has a sweet mustache, but I mean, you have to have, you have to be able to recognize your own facial hair and what you look like. Um, yes. We had a supervisor. This dude, I mean, he looked like straight out of Mario and Luigi, badass <laughs> mustache. But he's like one of the few that can pull it off. I look like uh, I'll be registering as a sex offender if I grow one. What if you did like a handlebar? I think Kyle could probably pull off the handlebar because he's kind of he's got a kind of western western uh, vibe with his horses and stuff. I think you could do it. I'll I'll send you a a photo later of uh, when I was running the the (laughs) I I refer to it as the prison stash. I I definitely got badged (laughs) a couple of times because I'm playing clothes and had people like not recognize me and. So it, that's that's the one benefit I get with facial hair is uh, I I got lucky in the puberty department and uh, <laughs> I I get the I ability didn't. to 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 have a, a legitimate beard and not be awful with it. So yeah, yeah, I've just never my beard didn't even fully come in until I was like almost forty, and now it's just now it's starting to turn gray. So I'm just like yeah, I missed my prime opportunity. Prime mustache beard opportunity. <laughs> yeah. Embrace the gray, man. I got I got the gray going on too. I know, but hey, don't we all? 
don't the wife, we all? The wife li- likes it clean shaven, so I, you know, do what you got to do. Yeah, absolutely. So I was listening to some other podcast with, uh, oh my God, if I can't remember. Like one of the first like metalcore Christian bands who like coined the phrase like spirit feel, spirit filled hardcore. And I can't remember the name of the band. I have to go back. And it's like one of those really early like uh, solid state bands, solid state records, if you guys are familiar Yep. Like Zayo or something like that. Yeah. Well, Zayo. it was yeah, it wasn't Zayo. Uh Zayo's been around forever and they're still yeah. they're still playing shows. Yeah. I mean Fire. nowhere even close to the original lineup, but No. <laughs> They've had like five million. I'm gonna look up um I don't I can't know. remember. I wonder if Jesse Smith is still playing drums for him though. I think he was the only original member hanging on, but I can't I don't know. I remember seeing Zayo play like three times within, I'd say like two months. at like different places like Cornerstone, uh, Furnace Fest. um, And then they came to Denver. Like, uh, so I saw him like a million times one year. I think I was like 19. But what are, what? What are some other, like, so one of my favorite kind of like Christian hardcore bands, but they're like, they didn't like talk, they didn't like say Jesus or God or anything like in any of their lyrics, really. But Stretch Armstrong was like one of my favorites. Stretch Armstrong. They're so good. They ruled. Stretch Armstrong was was good. Um, I, I would say my first real exposure to a band that was labeled as like the Christian like hardcore metalcore aspect would have been Norma Jean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Like, but even then, like it, I was just talking with uh, someone at work about this the other day, like going back, like now re-listening to him, like I could see the undertones that like lyrically, but like, I, I don't know. It was ne- for me, it was never anything I picked up on of like, I guess the best way to put it is like they weren't they weren't preachy, so like yeah. right. Armstrong same kind of way like yeah you can look and see where like there might be some undertones in the lyrics but like the the label of like Christian metalcore was kind of one of those I think weird things because you you would have like the select festivals that were like heavily Christian metalcore dominated mm-hmm. but like yeah. lyrically they weren't super prevalent I mean. Yeah, they're like affiliated, like Christian affiliated. Yeah, kind um, of. I think yeah. you get you get such a label when you put yourself out there as a Christian band. You get labeled, whether mm-hmm. you like it or not. I mean, and whether you intend to for it to be or not. And I think that it holds them down. Yeah. To be to become you know mainstream or popular outside you know in the secular world but yeah, i mean there sure. is there's definitely i mean there's i'm just looking at the old the um the list from uh solid state of bands and stuff like that and the all these bands are awesome strong arm stretch oh strong, strong arm yes beloved training mm-hmm. for I, utopia actually uh, 
uh, I'm going to change my favorite show uh, for Robin there <laughs> that she asked earlier. Uh, the Pound with Beloved, uh, Norma Jean, and Atreyu. Oh, um, my God. Yes. And yes, that was I had that was where I actually first got exposed to I had gone up because I really wanted to see Norma Jean. Uh, mm-hmm. and that's where I first got exposed to Beloved, uh, and it, insane live. Uh, yeah. I have yeah. so much. I still respect. listen to, I was listening to the other yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, and then, um, I'm spacing on the drummer's name right now, but, uh, his split off Advent, uh, again, a you know, Christian metal, metalcore band. Um, mm-hmm. but I have so much respect for, him as an artist, uh, especially with just vocals and drumming, like it, yeah, insane talent, and especially to see the performance reach the recording level at a live aspect, like yeah, huge. They were always so, uh, real good live. Yeah, I I've seen Beloved a few times, and yeah, they're amazing. So the band that I was thinking of that coined that term, Spiritful Hardcore, was focused and that was like in the early 90s um and they're from yeah so they're from long beach okay okay and yeah they they kind of like took hold of the whole like christian like metal hardcore and stuff like that and then you had like um overcome i don't know if you guys ever listen to them they're great i saw them i think i think i only saw them one time but they were awesome too um and so like after solid state took hold then you had like so no innocent victim from like san diego or escondido um area so south cali and uh the drummer of no innocent victim jason dunn he started his own record label uh face down records so there's some good bands there so i i found I found a sampler of them at a record store here in town and I listened to it. And I'm like, Oh my God, I, I like transplanted back to like 19 <laughs> years old, just loving all those face down bands. Um, but that, and that's like where um, I think like, so I, I think both of you guys like comeback kid, right? Oh yeah, love comeback kid. So uh, the guitarist now he's the singer Andrew. He was in a band prior called Figure Four, which yep. they're way more like metal core-ish. And he, I think he was like the bass. He played bass and like uh, was the vocalist. But um, and they were on Face Down Records before okay. you know that band broke up and. You know, they were more like Christian oriented. Obviously, Comeback Kid isn't, but that kind of like morphed into Comeback Kid, which Comeback Kid is like still like awesome. I think fantastic they're still, band. Yeah, fantastic. I love them. What about As I Lay Dying? Oh, God. That's a whole <laughs> other discussion. As <laughs> I Lay Dying. That's you another said, C- San Diego core. band. Yeah. Yeah. They're yeah. the epitome. What are your thoughts, Kyle? Um, So outside of 
personal life stuff and choices that were made. Uh, <laughs> right. Yes, to say the least. Bad. Very I, bad I, choices. <laughs> I, I did get to see them a couple of times live, once up in Seattle at a small club. Uh, it's actually when I was working at the club and Himza was shooting uh, their DVD. <gasps> so I actually could Whoa. see the, the DVD case right now. I'll grab yes. that in a second. But uh, uh, Himza, <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yes. Pettybone worked at the... Uh, at the club and so he was shooting his his hometown dvd there uh and as i lay dying was playing just before them and uh we had a fight break out and i was working security there and we had hired a new security guard and so i'm trying to drag this dude out uh and i wasn't working but i'm trying to drag this dude out who'd gotten drunk and caused a problem and the new security guard grabs me hasn't met me and goes to throw me out too and so we're we're arguing outside and I'm telling him to go to go grab the boss. And uh, so I watching from the back door as as I lay dying is playing their whole set and waiting, wait until I can get someone who I worked with that recognized me. And they we finally get it all figured out and explain the whole situation. And he felt he felt super bad because he's like, I'm sorry, I didn't know you worked here. And I'm like, yeah, it was, it's all, all good, man. Like. <laughs> it is what it is but uh they had a they had a really great set i saw them play i believe it was sounds of the underground too um concert venue not bad definitely it was a pretty good live show yeah definitely uh i would say out of out of the whole scene i would put them on the popularity level of like them and under oath i think kind of oh yeah yeah. another good one we're like the the metalcore Christian metalcore uh, kind of lead bands that brought people who may not have been into the scene right. more into the scene because yeah. they gained yeah. some popularity pretty fast. Yeah. Oh my God. They were uh, so one of the, was it their first or second album? I I loved that album. And I mean, they have like this really like, I don't, it could have been like a, um, like a song for like God or whatever, but then it could also be like a love song <laughs> or whatever. As I, I, as I lay dying. Yeah. I can't, let me find. I don't think song. they're a Christian band. Well, they were like, well, he was the Tim. Yeah. Labazis, I, it, I he... think it's kind of what Justin was talking about. Like you have members that are more prominent in their, right. Their, their they're faith affiliated. and they're a little bit more vocal. Mm-hmm. And so the band immediately gets, yeah, labeled as a, a Christian oriented band. So maybe he was just trying to get his wife closer to God, I guess. Well, <laughs> <Or> whatever. <laughs> well, or, yeah, you have as I lay dying playing with Acacia Strain, so you know. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that whole big debacle. I think. It, I think also he was like doing steroids, so that kind of like did weird things to him as well because he was like really skinny and then all of a sudden he like got super like freaking buff and he was all like a gym prison rat do that and... to you yeah well no that was before prison <laughs> that was before prison that's that's why he went crazy. what the hell's going on over there <laughs> what are you doing my my Boston Terriers yapping at the front door. Someone the leaf must have blown by or something. <laughs> so back to um Pettibone. Kyle, have you have you seen the movie? The movie. 
the edge of coral? Uh, I have not. Oh my god. What the have you seen it, Justin? No, I've never even heard of it. Okay. So it's basically a movie about hard so it's you know about the Seattle scene and it's like hardcore kids versus punks and John Pettibone is you know the leader of the hardcore kids and then you have like so uh, have you guys ever heard of the murder city devils oh, yeah. from Seattle yeah so the lead of the punks is the singer and I can't think of his name off the top of my head he's like the leader of the punks yes it's like they're gangs and then you have the mutual friend who is rocky vadalato do you guys know who he is he's an emo like indie rock he had a band called well he, Sweet he has his own though. i know right he had a band called waxwing and they're super like post-hardcore emo um, and then he did some solo stuff as well. So he's like the the mediator. Like he just, he's a hardcore kid, but he has his punk rock roots. It's the most cheesiest, stupidest movie ever, <laughs> but it's hilarious. That, uh, you guys need to watch that. It's on YouTube. Yeah. You can watch what it on YouTube. Was, tell me what the, the name edge, is. The Edge of Coral. You know, like the Age of Coral, like from. Yeah. Yeah. So that they, you know. It's so wonder... bad, but there's like, they show like, um, <laughs> concert footage, like show footage from like trial and like botch. It's fucking awesome. Like that part's awesome, but not the acting. The acting's very bad. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was in my head. I'm envisioning like almost like a socials and greasers thing, but like hardcore kids wearing their, uh, windbreaker straight edge jackets and like the punk kids wearing their, <laughs> Uh, leather jackets, but instead That's of exactly yeah, what it is, you yeah. know how we have like hash marks on our uniforms for years of service. They have like X's. Well, yeah. So you have like John I've been in the scene this wearing, long. wearing like the hardcore hoodies and stuff, and then you have like <laughs> that. You have a uh, oh, I can't think of the name of the singer of the Murder City Devils. He's like has you know the kind of grungy like you know, leather jacket and stuff. And so they like run into this hardcore kid who like just bought project X straight edge revenge <laughs> on file. And they like bully him and they push him and they're like, what is this straight edge revenge? And they like throw it on the ground and they like beat him up. It's so silly. That sounds stupid. Uh, well, but it's iconic. You have to. If you don't, then I'll be disappointed. It's, I will it, it's watch a must. It just for you. It's a must. We have to have like a whole like episode based on that stupid oh, movie. It came out in 2000. Because... Yeah. Yeah, I know. That's what I'm saying. I remember watching it with like my hardcore crew. Like we <laughs> like sat down on the couch. We watched this stupid movie, but you know, it had like, uh, what was the band that John was in before? Himza, um, oh my god, I'm... I can't think of it. You know, um, see, of course, like I work for a state agency, so I can't do that anymore. I can't <laughs> do like a bar check to go see, <laughs> but like I envy those fucking Denver cops. Like they have like extra duty jobs at like the the show venues. You mm -hmm. know, like the ones that I've gone to since I was like thirteen years old. 
um you see like a denver pd officer just standing there and i'm like you are so lucky <laughs> like you get to like <laughs> be here for free and just like kind of and he was probably miserable out. exactly exactly right. i'm like you don't know how good you have it we just had um so like i'm i live in ohio and a pretty rural part of Ohio. And well, I mean, Columbus is only a half hour away, but um, in comparison to, you know, San Francisco and LA, it's, it's, uh, it's small, but uh, we have a lot of uh, rubes here and we just had Buckeye super country fest, um, mm. which I had all the, the big mainstream country artists. Um, and we, uh, the county over, they don't have enough people to fill special duty. So they invited us over and I was like, that sounds like the worst time of my fucking life. I was, uh, <laughs> I was supposed to go to that because there were a couple of the smaller artists I wanted to see. I took a mm-hmm. road trip actually out that way with my dog and then, uh, sold my tickets. I was in Kentucky the, the night before and that, that storm warning came through and I'm like, yeah. I, I 100% do not want to be in some basement at Ohio state. Oh God. Yeah. With my dog in some Airbnb. I was like, Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah, It's it's not worth the money to go. I mean, cause I, I would be different. Maybe I'd be different because I, I, you know, I bring my dog. If I work special duty, I I bring my dog with me. Um, but, um, you know, I'm just going to get stuck in an intersection directing traffic. And there's going to be, that's the worst, you know, it's a hundred thousand seat stadium and yeah, just not my idea of fun at all. Yeah. We work like the Ohio state football games and stuff. We always go up and work those. And, uh, and it's just like, it's not my idea of fun of being freezing cold and being around 200,000 drunk people. Sorry. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, uh, I mean, that's why you got to pick the right positions because i don't know how you you guys like your special d or extra d extra duty off duty whatever you want to call it but um we would they would make positions so i used to actually run extra duty um for one of the sheriff's offices i worked for and so you would have the positions that people could sign up for so the ones that are like inside the venue like right mm. you know or, or the ones outside directing traffic, you'd sign up for those positions and things like that. So, like, you you got to be picky with your extra duty. Oh, yeah. So, I I worked a trampoline park regularly. <laughs> That's it fun. Was, it was the easiest <laughs> money I've ever made in my life. Mm-hmm. I'd go in and I'd look at hot moms for three hours. They'd, <laughs> they'd give me cash and I would leave every Friday night from 7 to 10. Some of my favorite ones were super easy where um, you would just like drive. They would have these kind of like overnight shifts where you would drive this like a subdivision where they have mm-hmm. an HOA. The HOA would pay you to like just drive around and make sure that like no one broke into cars and stuff. So I would always pick the late shift, which was like, I think, 11 to 2 a.m., and like one of the local Denver radio stations after hours would play like a bunch of metal core uh, <laughs> for nice. like those two hours. And so I would stay up and I would like 
drive around it was like the easiest money ever and just like blast the metal core and then sometimes they'd get like some of that like death metal in there and i'd like scare myself and think i've seen like i, don't I love know. death metal like I'm a, I, I, I'm a music fan i like all sort mm-hmm. of I, I love death metal you yeah, look like you would <laughs> give me some freaking carcass and all that kinds of cannibal shit like cannibal corpse cannibal corpse rules uh cannabis <laughs> corpse is better and it's like a, a play <laughs> on everything cannibal corpse ever put out cannabis corpse kind of has like a play on words obviously the name cannabis corpse so they'll have like tomb of the mutilated cannibal corpse they'll have like bong of the mutilated <laughs> it's super cool but it the, but the music is actually good if you're into death metal i I definitely have a coworker. I'm gonna look that up and send to you. We we always we always find the uh, the random spinoff core. So he had just recently come across Arno Core, and uh, <laughs> and I was like, "Wait, you you've never heard of this?" And he's like, "No, this is great." And so I've been finding like everything. Like I think the last one I saw on social media was like Turkey Core. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, <laughs> Turkey Core. That's awesome. So what uh, what's in your current um, play rotation right now? Oh, current play rotation. Uh, I've been, I would say, over the last two weeks, heavy into uh, heavy into some Evergreen Terrace. Uh, Ooh, gosh, it's been forever yeah. since I listened. To yes, that. yeah, I Evergreen Terrace. Um, always throw some poison the well in there and then in preparation for this i i was listening a lot to uh some haste the day oh yeah. oh nice yeah. yeah hell yeah they're playing furnace fest yeah uh, I actually i actually got the vip package to it's a meet and greet with haste the day so that's fun i'm excited nice. for that. they uh um, they played a small venue up in seattle and super cool dudes yeah they're good they're really good i saw them my third the third furnace fest i think there's like the the year i think 2000 was the first furnace fest and then i went to like the first second and third and then kind of like took a break from the scene because because the denver scene was like really stupid and annoying so i just stepped away from it but um the funny thing about, um, so I was listening to a podcast with, uh, I can't think of his name. Um, he was in Evergreen Terrace and. Chris Caraba. <laughs> no, no, he's a pretty, he's a pretty, he's a pretty man though. What is his name? I can't think of, can't think of his name, but he was in Evergreen Terrace. Then he was in Casey Jones, Straight Edge Band. And then, um, now he's in stick to your guns what do you guys yeah. think about stick to actually, your guns i was just listening to stick to your guns earlier this this morning uh i'm i'm a pretty pretty big fan their new album is pretty good i was i'm kind of impressed with it yeah um i, I can't think i um one of their songs it's on my playlist um oh my god i have to look it up here so good is 
weapon or yeah weapon is yep. the name of their song that song is so good i'm unfamiliar yeah, they're still going strong. you're unfamiliar well you mm-hmm. better make yourself familiar i mean i've heard like casey jones and all that stuff yeah but not the yeah casey jones is good still like i was mm-hmm. jamming to them too i mean it's total like straight edge like in your face straight edge stuff but yeah, yeah. every once in a I while mean, you gotta have some of that you that gotta stuff. absolutely i mean i still love a lot of straight edge bands but they're they're pretty hard but like with um stick to your guns they kind of have their newer stuff is more they have more um i guess singing vocals with with the screening ones and stuff so it's pretty good is there any like newer bands that you dig kyle uh i don't know how new they might be considered but i've been throwing a lot more uh the ghost inside on my my playlist hmm. i'm not familiar Neither, i've heard of them i haven't i don't i haven't listened the to ghost them. inside the ghost to check them out <laughs> oh yeah all? they look they look yeah very all about it what about non-hardcore non-punk stuff uh non-hardcore non-punk stuff let's see um I I would say kick wise I've been on some like more of the outlaw red dirt country stuff too. Mm-hmm. Um, so more prominent one that I've seen a couple of times over the last year, um, just because I really like her style, really like her voice, and lyrically, um, pretty honest stuff would be Morgan Wade. Oh yeah, uh, she's really good. Yeah, she's she's super good. She's super good live. Uh, mm. Very very down to earth, honest person. Um, and then I just went and saw uh, Tanner Ursi uh, the other mm. night locally. Um, good good live show. Um, did like a straight portion of his set, fully acoustic. So like, killed the mics, killed the the amp for uh, the guitar and had everyone shut up and play a song and it was, <laughs> yeah. it was it was rad to see that without any uh any sound guy helping helping everything along that you know he's still still sounds just like he does coming out of some some speakers very cool nice yeah i like a lot of the alternative country like i really i mean i love all farm emo i even like some of the pop stuff like i like sam hunt everyone like gives me Mm, so much shit for that i'm like that stuff i'm like he is he's like the chris caraba he's he's like the chris caraba of uh of country pop country all right but anyways like some of the alternative country i really like is like zach bryan have you do you listen to him yeah i actually uh i love him I had been listening to him when he was doing the, just the YouTube stuff. And then, mm-hmm. uh, I went to, uh, just randomly went out to born and raised fest, uh, mm. out in, out in Oklahoma to check it out. The first year that he was put on when he was starting to gain popularity, uh, puts on a good live show. Um, he got popular real fast. Yeah, uh, he did. But, but he, he started a- when he was. He got, he started like when he was still like in the Navy. Yeah, he was still in the Navy and he was actually stationed up by, by Seattle for a little bit. So, uh, okay. Um, and then like small time emo 
talking about local Seattle stuff. Uh, big fan of uh, Pedro the Lion. Oh, yeah. Yes. Pedro the Lion is awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. You know, I have a, That's I have a classic. friend. Um, he's from Ohio, but he lives, he moved to Seattle a number of years ago. Um, and he's in, or was in, These Arms Are Snakes. Uh-huh. So, oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's, yeah. So he was, uh, he was in a, a couple bands, um, here in Ohio. Chris Commons, his name, phenomenal okay. drummer. Um, actually, he might have played guitar in that band, but, um, he was in a band here called Waking Kills the Dream that was pretty solid. That, uh, Kevin from Morning Again was the singer. Oh, wow. Um, and nice. Morning Again's yeah. great. Yeah, I love them. They're they're putting out new music too. Are they? Yeah. Oh yeah, I I'm, saw. I'm, um, who was it? Like one of the record labels was re-releasing some of their their catalog, their earlier catalog. Here was that a uh, Trustkill doing that? I don't think no. Morning Again's on Trustkill. No, Indi- was it Indecision Records? Oh, okay. I see you. It's one of those. Um, I have to look. Kevin's on my Instagram. I'll have to. Kevin. Where is my. I'm looking at my. Uh, trying to find my. Metalcore playlist. Because there's some. Uh, some bangers. My my Metalcore playlist is called Metalcore Madness. Metalcore Madness. <laughs> of Rock course it has. A million. Poison the Wall, and oh, um, have you guys ever heard of Remembering Never? They're from Florida. Yeah, yep. Yeah, oh remember. my God, Tough Pete, right? Is it oh, Tough I'm... Pete or Crazy Pete? I don't remember what they called him. That's one of my favorites. Um, ooh, it dies today. Did you guys yeah. ever like it? Dies them? today, rule. They, I think they're playing at Furnace Fest this year too, if I remember correctly. But yeah, it does um, today. They they were like super Satan worshiping too. It was awesome. I loved them. <laughs> <laughs> that's who else? Not Satan worshiping, but that's who else uh, played that that Norma Jean uh, Atreyu below show. Oh was dark, God! Was Darkest that's Hour awesome? Oh okay. Oh yeah, Darkest Hour, Hour. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Darkest Hour. Yeah, they were good. Oh, yeah, was, yeah, they. They were a lot of fun. You want to go really metalcore, like between me and the buried. That's yes. between the buried and me. Between the buried and me. Oh, I'm sorry, I saw, God. Yes, I was dyslexic I, there. <laughs> I saw them up in Seattle with uh, Barrier Dead when Matt was nice. still vocals for for Barrier Dead. Okay, that's oh, that's a good time right there. Barrier yeah. Dead just came to Ohio. I think it was last week, but couldn't couldn't go. I was on vacation. Uh, Morning Again is on Revelation Records. Revelation was the... I should know that. They, we're, I, we're I love Robin. that. I know. I forget like my own name half the time. That's why so, I have a, a pen and a notepad beside me. If something pops in my head, I'll well, write it down so you, I can be like, well, I gotta look it up. You take really shitty notes because you don't remember like when we're recording and what's going on. I know. I have to send you like five messages. Like, is it today or is it tomorrow? What's going on? What are we doing? Like, yeah. I don't know. That's uh, why you can't listen. That's how he talks to you. Just never, never put me in charge of anything <laughs> because I just, I won't know except for uh, food. 
I'm pretty, food. I'm pretty, yeah, I'm pretty good with food. Pretty good at coffee. What kind and pretty of food? Food, anything you want. Anything except for Mexican. I don't. I can't do Mexican very well. Is that because of indigestion or what? No, I can't make it very well. I'm not oh. a very good maker of the Mexican. I'm out to California. We'll teach you. Oh, I love eating it. Really do. We have a huge uh, Mexican population in Columbus. I mean, obviously not as big as California, but um, absolutely love Mexican food. Yeah. Not only do you have an amazing like music scene in the Bay Area, you also have like amazing food mm -hmm. scene yeah. there, and you're Tattoos. fucking spoiled. Yeah. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Tattoos. I I've, I've come to realize that, especially over these, these, I got pretty, pretty spoiled with it. Yeah. It, like I, the... I'm from stupid Colorado. We don't have any good stuff. It's annoying. Yeah, you do. You got good Anyways. wins. Okay. Oh, California. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got, we have good mountains. The mountains are good and you got cores. Isn't that just like water though? The banquet of beer. Well, what's funny is when I was at that country club last night, everyone, I, it seemed like everyone had a Coors bank, Banquet. You yeah, know, those like it's little delicious. fat bottles. Yeah. Is it? I've it's never delicious. tried now, it. Now, Coors Light is piss water, but yeah, Coors is yeah. delicious. I mean, the banquet I, with beers. I can't make any judgments on what people drink. My, my first beer malt liquor was Steel Reserve, so. You know, did you ever? Funny. Did you guys ever drink Olympia? No. The little beer. No, that's like a the little, cheapest beer. A little Mad bit. A little bit, but yeah, PBR. Yeah, Ugh. PBR is good. I like PBR. <laughs> it's all right. It's. I mean, yeah, it's not my first choice, but it, yeah. No, first beer. I, I still see people sometimes. Like we have a little ghetto area uh, where I work, and I still see people walking down the street with like steel reserves. I'm like, dude. Just spend the extra dollar. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> See here, like whenever I would roll up on a DUI, there'd always be um, in the middle of the day DUI, like out, you know, like 2 p.m. DUI crash or something. You look in the back seat and there was always, I always found Keystone Light. Oh, gross. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And Skull Vodka, which is like cheapest grossest like comes skunkiest. in a plastic container exactly <laughs> and you could get like a freaking like huge two gallon jug of it for like 10 bucks or something but that's like yeah. there was a while there was a year i was working patrol i think it's my first year on patrol almost every dui dui crash that i had like in the afternoon had yeah. those items in the back seat yeah, I think ours, I want to say it's like Tolly or something like that. The the cheap mm -hmm. plastic vodka that's local. And it's the second you saw that, you're like, okay, this is not going to end the way. Right. Exactly. Now, are you going to do roadsides or are you going to refuse? Please just refuse so we can. Yes, exactly. Take you yeah. to jail. <laughs> <laughs> please don't pick intoxilizer. Please, a breath test. Please don't do it. I hate those. You sure you want to do these field sobriety tests? You look you pretty sure? drunk. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you're going to pass these. Just go ahead and refuse. It's great. I don't now, know. Like, I'm in canine. It's just like if I roll up on something, I'm just like, yeah, go ahead and send me a district car. 
son of a bitch. The typical, <laughs> typical canine guy. Oh, I can't, I can't uh, be tied up on this uh, district card. That's not, over. that's not, well, so uh, uh, yeah, some of the low level stuff, uh, the non-priority stuff they said, my chief deputy said the canines shall not be sent to this kind of stuff. Um, because we have a park, we have enough parking lot sitters that they can just have to drive an extra ten minutes to go handle. Well, a call. but will you go cover at least? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. I pick up also all sorts of stuff, yeah. and I still get sent to domestics and shit. Any priority one call, it, which for us includes alarm drops. Um. Oh yeah. It's still yeah, it's still a priority yeah. one call for us. So, plus it's just an opportunity to work the dog. Like if we get an open door or something like that, I'm like fuck yeah, I'll go in. Those um, are the best. And for oh, canines. Yeah, I mean it. It, it kind of sucks because very rarely do I get to send them off leash. Because I'm just like you know, even if it's two or three o'clock in the morning, I'm always thinking in the back of my head like, okay, it's non-forced entry. It could be a cleaning crew. You know, mm-hmm. they're not yeah. going to hear my announcements because they got the they got their headphones on and they're jamming, and all of a sudden they're on their zamboni. Uh, Wax in the floors and a freaking yeah. firmness will hit them from behind. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, anytime I can get the opportunity to get the dog out, it's great. But uh, yeah, I pick up a, I'm pretty busy. I stay busy. Um, if we're not, and if the streets get their ass kicked, I don't go out of my way to get into something. Yeah. Well, you got to um, stay available. Yeah. They very rarely use me for patrol-related related stuff. Um, so, I, fortunately for me, I get to go out and play on the highway. You know, yeah, interdiction, yeah, yeah. for sure. Uh, Kyle, do you? Um, so you're part of like a task force, right? Or yeah, yeah, I'm okay. part of a, a task force right now. So you do like uh, a lot of like narc stuff, and yeah, our our primary focus is gangs narcotics major crimes um so we get the uh we we'll jump out and definitely cover on calls we've got the radio scanning for uh the whole county but uh we get the ability kind of like k9 to be like "Eh, this is outside of our scope right yeah yeah Yeah. so you just hop in your your unmarked subaru or your freaking f-150 and go (laughs) i i wish uh (laughs) I, I I have a, a not a cop car unmarked that's very clearly a cop car. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, like a like an exploder or a Tahoe or something. Yeah, so I mean we we have some some undercovers that are definitely fitting for the neighborhoods, but mine mine unfortunately is one that sticks out, but still still does the job. Uh, gotten, yeah, for sure. Gotten away with one store. I'm like, how did you not know I was a cop? But... <laughs> yeah, I, you, my my vehicle is a, a Ford Fusion. Like oh that, no one sees that coming. Yeah, that was <laughs> that was my prior one. It was a Ford Fusion white. Uh, like, don't know how that one got. They away just took with the spotlight of the... off of it. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like. <laughs> Very clearly, like, this is a cop sitting in here, and I, I don't know how I manage on some of the surveillance where people are just, like, totally oblivious to it, so. Yeah, it's a it's a white Ford Fusion with dark tinted windows. I wonder who that could be. Yeah. 
<laughs> my buddy, like my best friend at work, uh, works. He's a narc, and uh, he has a sweet, um, undercover car. I mean, it, they have a leasing program, so they can pretty much cater to whatever they're working. Um, uh, but he's assigned a car right now, and it's got. It's a car that I can't afford if I wanted to go buy one. Um, it's got all the bells and whistles. I mean, they it blacked out the windows, but you would never. I mean, it just looks like a normal grocery getter. Yeah. And uh, and it it sucks for him. He goes when I go into the ghetto, no one has this nice of a car, so I have to like trade down for like one of our <laughs> pieces of shit that we impounded or something or you know forfeited. Um, but yeah, he's got it pretty well set up and he shows up to the office in jeans and a t-shirt every day. Yeah. That, but, that's my favorite part. Yeah. That's mine too. This is the first job I've had where I can do that. Like, where I can dress totally down yeah. and go, uh, you know, look for drugs and stuff like that. So we're coming to the end. I think that we've kind of hit everything we've wanted to, to touch on, but, um, what, so this is something that we used to do in the earlier episodes, um, which we haven't really gotten a chance to in, in some of the newer ones, but Kyle, like what is an underrated band that you really enjoy that you think people should check out? I underrated band, um, coming into this, honestly, one that that was sticking with me uh, that falls under like the, I guess, Christian metalcore um, mm-hmm. aspect is life in your way. And I actually got mm. turned on to life in your way uh, because I was going to grab a Shahalud album and uh, Ooh, at, yes. at one of our, our small record stores. And it was an employee suggestion. Uh, they labeled it as uh so-and-so who works at the store recommends this album and uh, it had just come out and I checked it out and I just really liked their sound. Um, They're just an interesting. Life in life in your way. Life in your way. Yeah. uh, I think they're either signed a tooth and nail or solid state. Um, Hmm. Definitely looking back on it lyrically now, like I can see the like Christian metalcore influence for sure. Um, mm-hmm. but initially didn't really have them labeled as such and listening to them. And I just really liked them and they kind of, they kind of fit into that Shahlud vibe, but also kind of a beloved vibe. Okay. That's pretty cool. Nice. I love, I love yeah. both of those bands. Yeah. I haven't heard of uh life in your way, so I'll, I'll definitely check them out. Um, Justin, do you have any off the top of your head that you right. think so is underrated? Two. I've got, I don't know if it's underrated, but I've got two. Drain. I was just like watching all of their videos the other night because I wanted to. Yeah, Uh, I wanted to. California Cursed is is such a good album. Um, And then a hip hop artist, uh, Marlo. Hmm. I've been listening to a lot. Um, Super good stuff. But yeah, as far as. Go ahead. Oh, for a hip hop artist, uh, have you heard uh, Murs? Huh. That that would be one uh, for a, 
I wouldn't really necessarily say small, but I would I would say definitely uh, MERS is one that I really like. Uh, like MERS. M U R S. M U R S. I'll definitely check them out. I love yeah. me a good hip hop album. It definitely gives me some like lyrically gives me like the the Wu Tang like. Oh okay. Kind of like outspoken aspect to it, so I really like it. Sweet, yeah, I'll definitely check that out. If it's, especially if it's like Wu Tang ish, I like some old school Wu Tang. I was just listening to uh, some Wu Tang when I was cutting the grass today. <laughs> 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 what about you, Robin? What what you got for us? Um, you know, I'm looking through. There's just so many. I mean, I yeah can't even begin to. Um, I have so many bands that are underrated um but i think like one that really i still to this day like love they only they only um put out one album but it's a band called carry on they were on bridge nine records they are an underrated band for sure i mean they're kind of like more of a they're straight like straight edge boston band Um, but that album, A Life Less Plague is like, just has so many heavy hitters on there that just bring you back to your, your teenage hardcore days and whatnot. I think that album came out like 2001 or two. Yeah. Um, so that's a, that's one I really like as far as, um, I'm not big into hip hop. I mean, I like classic stuff from like the early, the nineties and early 2000s or whatever and i like some of that like r&b stuff like baby making r&b boys to men boys to men i remember like i was in sixth grade i think and i got the cassette single of um end of the road and i just like played it and they had like the instru the instrumental version on the b-side and stuff like that i play the shit out of that fuck yeah <laughs> there is yeah they're a good group yeah like, 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 own their greatest hits yeah hell yeah <laughs> I, should. I will i will should. always that's I always think... on my playlist uh, in my music library is their greatest hits i want to say um, they were one of the first albums that I bought like with my own money when I was a kid. Oh, hell yeah. My, Jesus, my hang on. first album ever given to me was uh, Shania Twain by my uncle. Oh my gosh. That's classic right there. That's some, I mean, and she kind of just, um, I mean, she's still around or whatever. She's still like an icon, but you don't really hear too much from her. Yeah. Uh, I think she was uh, like, she's touring right now or something. Oh yeah, that makes sense. We're jo- Justin. Oh okay, sorry. I was um, inst- giving my wife instructions on how to start the uh, leaf blower. Oh, you're making her do work like yard work? No, she. What's wrong? She What's just wrong with home? you? You know what? If you can push a stroller, you can push a mower. <laughs> <laughs> you're an asshole. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's Father's Day. Give me a break. Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I'll give yeah. you the well, benefit for those of, the doubt of you. There. Yeah, we're recording this on Father's Day. Yes, we mentioned that earlier. Um, so I think, like, okay, Here. so not not hip hop or anything, but another like underrated, like kind of um alternative country 
artist I really like is um, Josiah and the Bonnevilles. Have you ever heard of them okay, yeah. for him? He's pretty good. He's another one that's like started on like YouTube and all that stuff. Um, but he has some really good songs. He has an album like where he does like a bunch of covers, like country type covers of of songs and stuff like that. So those are some. That's out of my realm. I just I can't do country at all. Like old school Merle and stuff like that. Johnny Paycheck. Yeah, but. You need to culture yourself a little more, Justin, and stop being so one-dimensional. Maybe that will help your get your life together a little bit. <laughs> Maybe so. <laughs> All right. Well, we're running out of time with this free version of um, Zoom, and my mom is blown up my phone, so I don't even know what the hell is going on. Yeah. So, Kyle, thank you for joining us. Yeah, Maybe we Thanks can have for having me. And I, yeah. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, come back. Um, Justin, any parting words before we go off the air? All you cops out there, be safe. All you punks out there, keep punking. Yeah. You can you can be punk without dressing punk, right? So that's what we do. We're <laughs> punks in uniform. Punks in All right, guys. We'll see you on the next one. Stay All right. safe out there. You guys be careful. Stay safe.